Hello. Welcome to the Bacash Podcast. My name is Don, and I am here with... Who are you? Hey, guess what? It's not recording you. Oh, okay. talk. Let's see if it's got gotcha. you. Okay. Can you hear me? Hey! All right. I'm, I'm not... I'm not editing that out at all. That's okay. the best Sounds intro good. we have had. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so if you say my last name, or if you say my name, first name, backwards, it's Tox. Forward, it is... You have to figure that one out. So <laughs> with that... My backward is nod. <laughs> Just nod your head. It is, yeah. Just nod your head. Hey, that sounds like a rap song. Just nod your head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm so... Yeah, off. okay. Yeah. So anyway... <sighs> so... Um, with that, um, I don't even know. Where do we start? Um, first of all, I'm adjusting your mic and everything today. I'm turning mine down because I'm loud. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, we're at a section of Deuteronomy. You and I were kind of talking in the the before that uh, we're, we're getting a lot of very surface-level laws. A lot of them, there's not a lot of super deep dive. Like, you're not going to get, you know, any kind of super insane Hebrew Greek cultural backstory that uh, or insight, at least not that we're finding. And we're always happy to hear from you if you you maybe have a, a deeper look into something here. But and I, I'm hesitant. I, I was kind of calling this like the flyover section of Deuteronomy. Uh-huh. I don't want to call it that because it makes it sound like it's unimportant. But we really are in a section that is very face value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so when it comes to deeper meaning, we're not going, ooh, <laughs> profound. Yeah, we're not um, like, oh, let's look at, oh, what did that mean back then? <laughs> oh, they decorated their house for the Feast of Booths like we do for holidays. You know, it's, right. It's, it's, now we're sitting there going, oh, okay, well, you do this in this situation, you do this yeah. in this situation, you do this in this situation, which really gives them no excuse to like get it wrong because it pretty much says, here's what you do in this situation. Right. It, it is what it is. <clears throat> so it's what you see is what you get. So we don't have, um, uh, like it's not as intricate. However, we're still going to go over it. We just might be able to cover larger swaths than we normally do. Right. So for some of you out there it might be like, yes, <laughs> for others of you out there it might be like, Oh, but I've been listening for the last year and some change. <laughs> now you're going to, Go some weird, crazy route. But, well, don't know. worry, because we were just talking. We yeah. were sitting there going, if we actually got a chapter a week, which you, if you're following us, following with us this long, you probably know that's not true. Right. But if we do that, we're we, still we like 12 weeks week, out. Right? Yeah, we did. For actually yeah. the past two Ooh. weeks, I think. But yeah, uh-huh. yeah right. yep. but I think when you get more towards the end of Deuteronomy, I think we, we start getting into some that, that aren't quite the, the quick, easy flyover. Well, yeah, well, not flyover, but but Moses' song is kind of a... Yeah. Is, that's gonna, I think that's going to be <clears throat> difficult. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to have to write some music for that if it's a song, right? I'll write some. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> I, I could write some, but you're singing it. I'm singing it. Yeah. You, you don't understand. I should never sing. Yeah, but I can't sing and play guitar at the same time. How can you not sing and play guitar at the same time? I, Isn't that like a thing? Dude, I like I tried so hard. I've uh, All right. See, I thought we were going to get away with no banter. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a church, uh, gosh, a decade ago, maybe. Um, a decade ago? Yeah, I was at a, di- a different church probably 10 years ago. How old are you? Old. Oh, wow. I'm old enough to have had a decade. <laughs> um, I was I was in the the band there, and it was a it was a highly diverse church. It was probably well, I shouldn't say that. It was a predominantly African American church. By highly diverse, I mean there's like maybe twenty percent white, and there were like eighty percent African American. Okay. Um. So the the band actually was a gospel band, and 
Um, I had a lot of fun playing there. I played I played guitar in a gospel band, and if you know what that's like, it means a lot of improv um, because you never know when suddenly the music's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a breakdown to a longer section of music, um, or there's going to be like the the vocalist is going to improv, or the pastor is going to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's have the band come up and do a, a song." Before, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff like that, a lot of improv. Um, it was Dorian's church, if you're wondering. Yeah, no, I, I figured yeah, okay, that. I, yeah, I, I did <laughs> um, And uh, something in your basement's making noise. Oh yeah, that would be the uh, heater. Oh okay. Oh, you heat? Sweet. Heat. All right. So if you're uh, listening to us in the summer, this is now currently winter. Yeah, uh, Christmas is three weeks away. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, a lot of improv, a lot of playing, or whatever. And then um, the uh, so the main worship leader was a black guy. His name was Josh uh, Woods. Very, very talented piano, very uh, talented singer. His brother played drum, drums for us. Really cool. Um, but uh, he was uh, taking a little bit of time off. Um, I, he was actually doing something with his brother. His brother was a personal trainer for an Olympian. Wow. Like a, like a, like a fitness coach or athletic coach or whatever. And um, so they had the other guy that knows how to sing and could play guitar at the same time, uh, who also happened to be preaching that week. Uh, was going to do the lead the worship at that time, lead the music that week. And so uh, this guy thought it'd be really cool. He was kind of talking about like the the tenets of community and how maybe a lot of times we think like, uh, you know, in order to lead our community, lead a small group, lead a Bible study, um, we desire all these gifts and talents and stuff like that. But he wanted to kind of prove a point that like, hey, anybody could do it. So he was like, hey, you're going to play acoustic guitar this week. Very rare in that church. Didn't do that a whole lot. Wow. Um, and you're going to sing and you're going to lead these other four people. Now, there's a lady that was in the band. I'm not kidding. Her name was Aretha. Really? And she could sing. And it was not Aretha Franklin, but I mean, she could sing. And he's like, and you're going to be on the stage with like, this could be you and Aretha and like somebody, so a couple other people that were going to like do like some like kind of hand percussion kind of right. stuff. And I was going to play guitar. And I was going to sing at the same time. And I was like, his name's Jason. I was like, Jason, I don't think you understand. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do this at the same time. <laughs> like, pat your head and rub your tummy is like, it's difficult for you. Singing and playing guitar is difficult for me. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So like, I would basically like start off the song. Uh-huh. And then I would like fade myself back and just kind of like let Aretha take over. <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to know that God is good all the time. All the time God is good. And I'm out. <laughs> it was so bad I was so anyway that was a long tangent just to say you're gonna sing Moses' song later on while I play the guitar alright we'll see what I can do dude if we really come up with something like that it'd be hilarious <laughs> cause you know it don't rhyme no not at all <laughs> in, my, in the Hebrew <laughs> I'd be interested to study Hebrew rhyming schemes or did they do rhyming schemes in the Hebrew I don't know for the Psalms that'd be interesting yeah that would be kind of curious well, now, then we need to find someone that, that, that can sing Hebrew Actually, there was a dude in our church a couple weeks ago. I got a, I got a Hebrew Bible. <clears throat> I mean, you can't read it. Right. <laughs> but, but I can sing it? Yeah. No, we had a, a dude in our church a couple weeks ago that actually sang in worship, and I think he sang the Hebrew because he knew he Hebrew. Psalms? Exclusive psalmodity? Um, I actually wasn't there that week, but he's like, oh. yeah, he's like, I'm going to be singing in the Hebrew or, or something. Um, I was like, whoa. That'd All right, sweet. you can do that. Dude, my... Uh, my church, uh, for the last couple of weeks, has started like singing psalms. Like singing psalms? Yeah, like actual psalms in the Bible. And th- that's oh, common. Okay. Some churches are like exclusive only. They'll only sing psalms. Oh, wow. Because it, okay. uh, it, it's the idea of not wanting to <clears throat> sing something that was not inspired. 
like holy scripture inspired. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so like I've heard of that before. It's just like I'm like, do you guys have like some kind of influence on our our worship leaders? Like, what's up, man? Oh, wow. <laughs> our band leaders are like throwing in like one or two psalms a service now. Hmm. And I'm not talking about the U2 like <laughs> version of Psalm 40. I'm talking about like actual like kind of more obscure psalms we're singing. Wow. That's kind wow. Of cool. Anyway, hey, so we're on chapter 21. Yes. All right. Yeah. So do you want to break <laughs> so, us into this? Uh, so basically, um, Christopher Wright basically said that the n- uh, next five sections that are part of chapter 21 of Deuteronomy, um, ultimately, uh, they deal with a situation of human distress or misconduct, and they seek to either rectify the wrong or to mitigate its worst effects. Um, and so that's kind of how he introduced these next five sections um, that are part of chapter 21. And I was like, well, I think that's something to, to potentially keep in mind as we think through each one of these different sections we go through. Um, as we read Deuteronomy 21 today, we're going to break them down into those different sections. Um, and uh, the, the first section is going to be um, chapter 21, uh, 1 through 9. Uh, this one ultimately addresses the atonement for unsolved murders. Ooh. <laughs> Sounds like a TV show. <clears throat> unsolved murder, atonement for unsolved murders. All I right. won't do that again. That was yeah. No, it's, well, you at least got the intro. Yeah, you know. All right. If in the land <clears throat> that the Lord your God has given you to possess, someone is found slain lying in the open country, and it is not known who killed him, then your elders and your judges shall come out, and they shall measure the distance of the surrounding cities. And the elders of the city that is nearest to the slain man shall take a heifer that has never been worked and that has not pulled in a yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with running water, which is neither plowed nor sown, and shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word, every dispute and every assault shall be settled. And all the elders of that city nearest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck has broken in the valley. And they shall testify... Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it shed. Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. So you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. All right. Violent, bloody, well, maybe bloody, depending on the first murder. I would be like... um, if I was the elder, <laughs> the closest town, I want to know how they measured. Yeah, I would because um, it says to measure. There was the last chapter. I actually had a note on it, and I don't have it uh, with me, unfortunately. Um, they actually talked about how, like, like how precise they would get in their measuring. Like how do how do you do I that? Because I'd assume these cities are like far away. You're talking like, oh yeah, six thousand camel feet away. <laughs> I mean. And there's a lot of figure that out. I don't know. There's a lot of attention. I wonder if it was like the old. Um, have you have you ever measured off like? Have you ever had one of those yard wheels? Like that's like what I was thinking. Thing, in, like, click click click. In yeah. my mind, that's what I saw. Like I saw these like um, well, Jewish people like click 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 click. You know, as they're going like from one one town to the next. They probably had like cartographers back then. But I'm I'm imagining if you're stumbling upon I don't know. Let's say if you're stumbling upon somebody in the wilderness, it's probably not too far out. No, I like, mean, yeah, I'm taking my sheep out too, and then it's all like law and order, and it's like the jogger finds the body, but in this case, it's the shepherd finds the body. And okay, 
I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> I, I'm just in my mind. I was like, okay, no. sounds interesting. These are the things we want answers to, and these are the things my commentary gives no answers to. Yeah, I know. Thanks, thanks, Chrisanti. Thanks I, for nothing. So I wonder what the kids' Bible has for this. I'm trying to see if they say. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this whole chapter, I'm curious of what the kids' Bible has. He well, doesn't, he doesn't <clears throat> say what the measurement tool was. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I wonder if it's like steps, like, all right, count it off. I know. Whoa, 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 it's uh, 5,380 steps here, but 5,079. I think we need a recount. I was like, going to say, what close. if you lose count halfway through? Yeah. Or, the person you're, or the person you're counting with, like, they count a little bit different than you, and then, like, right. all of a sudden you both mess up and you got to start over. There's got to be, yeah. They and you're, like, something. almost there, and you're, like, ah. Okay, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to have to find out, but yeah, I'm sure there's something. Okay. So with that, we may have an answer in the future. Um, <laughs> probably not. How, <laughs> probably not. Um, however, Christopher Wright um, says that this is probably a big deal. When you pull in the elders, the judges, and the priests all to get involved with the situation, that's kind of no small matter. Right. So it, this isn't one of those things that you're like, oh, I found a dead body. And I mean, here in America, you find a dead body and you're like, oh, okay, then... You know, well, it was, you know, you'll see it on the news. There'll be a, a short little blurb of this guy may, you know, this guy died. And and you might get an eye, you know, a little bit of an idea of what happened. And then sometimes you'll have no clue. Um, so uh, so it's, it's kind of a big deal in the Jewish community to, to be able to find a murder or a body. Um, and then to really, in a sense... Um, go before God and, and, and purge away the evil that, that, that kind of came into your community. Um, and so again, they, they, they took it very seriously. Yeah. Uh, there's a, um, kind of a graphic scene that happens where they're supposed to take this young, uh, heifer out that had never worked basically. So a very young cow that hasn't done a lot of, or any, I should say hasn't done any labor mm-hmm. whatsoever, and they're supposed to kill it out in the field. And uh, some of the uh, commentators, can think of the word. Uh, some of the commentators back would argue about you know the significance of the heifer. Um, was it an atonement sacrifice? What it, you know um, was it symbolic? Was it actually like a scapegoat? Like et cetera, et cetera. Um, the prevailing thought right now is that. Um, the death was bloodless on purpose for whatnot. So that breaking of the neck of the cow's neck was supposed to be bloodless on purpose. And I'm like searching here. I was trying to find the... And I think part of the argument for it not being a sacrifice is because it was a bloodless thing. Right. Right. Um, I was trying to see the... I know Christopher Wright brought up two things. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. Did he bring up the execution? Yes. That's why I can't find it in this commentary. So he said That's it was, what I was looking for because I was like, um, it's an execution, not a... So right. He said it represents a vicarious <laughs> execution of the unknown criminal. Um, mm-hmm. The cow is a symbolic substitute for the murderer. Dun, Killing dun, dun, it, dun. therefore, is not a sacrifice because there is no altar and there probably is no blood, but an, execu- but an execution. Uh, he goes on to say it has some of the effect of a sacrifice by achieving atonement, which, which really ultimately is the purpose of this whole ritual in the first place. Um, and it... Uh, yeah. The other thing he brought up was uh, the ritual could be explained as a symbolic reenactment of the murder. 
um, in an uninhabited place, which by first transferring the guilt away from the human settlement and then flushing it away, being that's why it was located near running water. Um, and that ultimately removes the threat away from the community. Um, almost kind of like a, um, a scapegoat type idea, kind of in that, that second section. Um, he, he doesn't really say which, as far as I can remember, he didn't really say which one. He's like, it could be this one or this one. Um, but what he did say, and, and I liked, he said, what ought to strike us from the law is not the oddity of a cow with a broken neck and an uninhabited wadi, which, and me, all of those three, three things stand out. I'm like, whoa. But he says, ultimately, what's important is he's the expected response of a whole community through its civic, judicial, and religious leaders to a single human death. Ultimately, meaning that... This shows that, that God's people, the community of God, um, ultimately sees life as valuable, um, that they are willing to, to take corporate responsibility for the guilt um, and, um, and the loss of, of the sanctity of life, or to, to show the sanctity of life. So mm-hmm. um, ultimately, that's kind of what he says. Um, this, this main whole thing kind of shows um, is that life is valuable. And when you look in our current culture and even in the ancient Near Eastern cultures, um, the community would not do as much in, in an unsolved mystery or, or with the death of a person in general. And so God's people, though, do find value in life. God finds value in life. Yeah, and there's a, I guess, kind of going on the difference between uh, what you see nowadays and what you would see with, with the law in general here is, uh, you know, if, uh, if they find a, a, a body in a field nowadays and they don't find the murder after a certain amount of time, it, they stop sending resources to investigate that murder after a while. Um, or it goes to like a cold case division or something if your police department has enough to take care of it. Um, but there really is no ceremonial closure for the family of that victim. There's no, you know, until with our kind of skewed sense of justice a little bit nowadays, there's really no justice for the crime that took place. And I feel like in some cases, the potentially the, the cow does kind of like it takes that guilt of the person who committed the murder and puts it kind of on the, the cow, which, wow, that sounds very messianic in some Aspects. It takes the guilt of some of us and puts it on Christ, or it takes the guilt of the murderer and puts it on this this cow. So there's some potential uh, symbolism there, uh, pointing towards a proper atonement. But um, I think anytime you're looking at an atonement, uh, I mean, there's definitely a symbolism, right? Absolutely. But there, there's definitely um, kind of a higher uh, respect to people in general during this time, I, I'm trying not to be mean, um, but I'm trying to also segue into um, well, the corporate responsibility that is laid out here where you're having all of your higher ups. Where did you say before during this, like, you know, you have the, the city coming out, the Levites, the judge, you know, like you yeah, have, so you got all the big dogs coming out to go ahead and yeah and address it, the situation. It's not like, well, Let's go ahead and call these people, and right. they're like you know the the lower rung of the police department. You're talking about, I mean, this is a big deal. Like, right. let's go. If it's not like a if it's not a who's who crime, if it's not a famous person, it's like the mayor's not coming out to speak at the press conference. It's like, oh, just another murder in the streets that makes sixty two this year. You know, kind of right. Well, I mean, you're thrown by the wayside. You you see all the time in the newspaper. All right, we're we're down deaths or we're up deaths, and it's like you know you just see the numbers are. You know, I worked for a school once. Um, 
and and so in the neighborhood that that I that, that school that I worked in, I mean, you literally have situations where they'd come in one day and they're like, "Hey, Mr. Sulik, did you see the dead body on the street?" No, I'm sorry, I missed that one. Yeah. Um, but but it's not like that was like that that wasn't like an uncommon thing. I mean, that was something that that happened frequently ish in the neighborhood that the school was located in. And so for them to see a dead body on the street or or hear about a dead a dead body or someone being shot or something like that, that was that was just part of life. And then they go on with the life. The whole community might know who it was and then they might not know who it was. Um, and so it, it you know, they just kind of passed it off and it was over well, it was over pretty frequently, you know, right. they took care of it. You might look in the newspaper and see something and then again you might not. Um, so there. So, so here we see the dignitaries coming out, <clears throat> right? And that's placing an emphasis on how important each life was. That's right. you know, once again, kind of a bit. And you could argue, well, doesn't the mayor and the governor and you know all these people have better things to be doing? But I don't know. Do they? Because like, uh, I would uh, think, yeah. Well, I mean, because I mean, you're talking about. So who would come out? It was the. Um, the elders, the judges, and the priests. Yeah. So the judges, at least the judges. Now, now before you're like, oh, the judges. Well, judges were rulers. Right. Um, it wasn't just like the guy that sits on the pensions is like sentenced to blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, right. it wasn't guilty. It wasn't that guy. It was an actual ruler over right. Israel. So you would be thinking more of a governor-ish kind of role. And so they do have more of a job to deal with that. So do the elders and, yeah, and but of I'm course, the priests. Now, nowadays, you oh, nowadays. Oh, okay. Na- yeah. Nowadays, you wouldn't have a mayor go out no, to every no, scene no, and no. give a press conference. Unless it's in, you know, in Hollywood, you're not going to really see right. that kind of... Or it's someone, again, as you said earlier, who's famous or whatever. I mean, right. you have a normal just dead body. You're like, meh, okay, we'll let the police deal with it. See, you even just a normal dead body. like a <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's but but that's the perspective of... I mean, that's just the perspective of... But, uh, of but that. see, Israel's like taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. They're, they're taking like, hey, this is the <clears throat> land that was given us. We don't want um, this sin to be permanently embedded here. We need, we need that guilt taken care of. We want to keep the land as a blessing, not as a curse, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So they sent the whole... Like I said, kind of that whole all the dignitaries out to right. take care of it and break a cow's neck. Yeah, over this. Now I, we were talking earlier because um, yeah, yeah, I haven't I mean, been to the chiropractor in a while. Probably need to. Um, I love but, my chiropractor. I, need, I haven't been there in about a year. Yeah, I know. She, um, she knows one because she's like, "Oh, you're here. Something must be wrong." Like it's never like that maintenance checkup. Uh-huh. It's like that. Uh, Don's done something stupid. Well, my insurance company stopped taking my chiropractor. Are you serious? So now I got to find a new one. Who yeah. Do you have? Uh, so we switched. No, no, I was with Humana, and then Humana stopped supporting it, and then we got switched to Anthem, and then Anthem doesn't Anthem support years. all of them, so now I have to find one local, and I just I've just been too busy to look into it. I, I have one. I've had it. I have UHC, and okay, like they give you, like you pay your, you basically go in with a gamble, mm-hmm. and it, you pay your copay, right. and then after you pay the copay and you get your first visit, then they tell you how many more visits you can do after the fact. <sighs> And, see, that, I, and that depends on what you go in for. See, I think I got like 15 visits, and it was like 25 bucks a, a visit. But whatever they did there, it was covered. So that means I could like... You I mean, get x-rays, yeah. You could get x-ray, massage, you know, what? do yeah. the little neck thing. I Dang. mean, yeah, absolutely. But again, I don't know. I haven't found a new one recently, so... So, so not to get too far But off. anyway... So wait, 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 wait. Not to... Get, I, I can tell you my chiropractor story. <laughs> Oh, you're going to tell your chiropractor? Everybody cares. Oh, okay. Everybody cares. Sorry. Go on. Sorry. You all care about my chiropractor story. Um, you, you look like a 10 of you sat up. That's, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Um, so 
uh, I have inner ear issues and I'm, I'm not sure if I told it on the podcast before, but I might as well tell it to you. He's old and getting deaf. Go on. Well, I, I am getting deaf. Um, one day I came home from work and I wasn't feeling well. And so I went to bed and I woke up, had to throw up. So I start throwing up and, uh, some of the throw up, this is not safe for work tag or lunch, not safe for lunch. Um, I uh, threw up in the vomit, got shoved up my eustachian tube. I don't even know what eustachian means, but it sounds cool. Ah, that is the tube that connects your ear to your ears, nose, and throat that wraps you in. And basically, it drains stuff down your throat. There, your eardrum's in the middle of it, so like the sound waves kind of travel through and makes things sound correctly. It's kind of an important little piece. Uh, it inflamed my eustachian tube, caused an insanely... Eustachian. Eustachian tube. Uh, caused an insanely bad uh, ear infection because it's vomit and it's viral and whatever, and then it just festers in there. And so I couldn't hear out of my ear for a while. You stationary vomit? I don't <laughs> even know if that means, but it sounds cool. Yeah, you sounds put it together. To so I, I, went, I, I would go to a doctor, and he would uh, like use a basically a dental pick, like those water things in my ear to get stuff out of it, to clean it up, to try and make it so I could hear again. I tried like every home remedy. I tried every serious remedy. I had ear drops. I went to so many... Uh, ENTs to try and get stuff worked out to figure out how to stop this. And what happens is if the weather changes or if I get sick or a head cold, a lot of times when I used to get like sinus headaches, now my ears will clog up and I won't be able to hear very well. And it's not like, oh, you can't hear well. It's like, it can be really bad sometimes. Like I can't hear or it uh, bugs really bad. That I, like the hearing's really bad. So um, I went out to California for work and they had wildfires going on and that triggered both sides of my head and I came so back. So you had a eustationary wildfire? Yes. And it, it clogged him up and I couldn't hear very well. And I think I was driving my wife nuts by how much I couldn't hear her talking. I couldn't hear the kids. She would be, as far as you are from me, you know, three to four feet away and I couldn't make out what she was saying. It was really bad. So finally, you know, the next step for the ENT was to go get an ultrasound or not, uh, uh, MRI, sorry. not, And that was going to be like $1,500 out of my pocket. Ooh. The rest would be covered by insurance and I think the total was like four grand. But, but like 1500 I had to pay. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. So I went to the chiropractor and she started doing all this stuff, like everything from stretches to like physical therapy type of stuff to like, like, you know, I actually can, hold on, I might be able to do it for you. I can pop my ears now. Ready? Can you? Okay. That's, that's creepy. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> like all this kind of stuff that she would do to help me out or whatever. So like, and it would take care of it. And so now I know that like if I just do like some of the exercises she gave me and like sometimes it can take a day or so, but if they start to act up again, I can do these things. But now that I have like the cure, I don't go back. But one time I think she felt like she'd rip me off. Like she's like, oh, you come in and you can do this. She's like, but have you ever had like blah, blah, blah? Just I was like, what is this? And she's like, lay, lay down. And then like she has me like put like my knees basically up into my chest. She puts her hand on my knees and like pushes on my shoulder. And like, I swear to you, everything in my body cracked. Whoa. I was like, I, I was like, I like gas is like what like she's like oh are you okay are you okay i was like yeah i just i wasn't expecting that like i think she thought that like i think people go in for that like oh i need you to pop me good you know and so they want to get their money's worth or whatever she like had never done it to me i was just like all right i'm really kind of afraid to get up and walk because like i don't want to ruin whatever you just did because <laughs> right now i feel the best i've ever felt <laughs> i know i know when i first went into the chiropractor they snapped my neck and like it went crack, crack. And so they, they took my head and they like really quickly moved it to the side. And my whole head goes, I was like, whoa. And I asked the dude, I was like, 
I was like, hey, are you ever worried that you're just going to snap someone's neck and they're going to die? I was like, I watch movies all the time. I was like, man. And <laughs> he's like, Schwarzenegger snap a neck. <laughs> he's like, those, he's like, those movies, they're, they're so fake. He's like, it does take a lot to snap someone's neck. But when I was thinking about reading this passage over the, yes, uh, this does connect people. Um, when I was reading this passage over them, like snapping this, like cow's neck, I was like, what? I was like, if it's hard to snap a person's neck, my in my mind, a cow would be like way harder to snap. Like, like a, a heifer comes out like the size of like probably an average sized human. I mean, maybe these priests like, were like they're big. Yeah, maybe like, like they're like farming and I, I never assumed like a priest would be like big and like I, I assume they'd be like kind of skinny and really, really honestly kind of wimpy looking. Um, Man, you have but to... apparently, well, I mean, I guess they they do some big time stuff with those sacrifices. So I guess in my mind, this whole priest thing needs to like change of uh, what they look like. I don't, I don't know. No man. But anyway, so let's go yeah, on. So you got um, my story, and you also got you got something to think about. Right. You got to think like it, it was not a small thing to do this. This was a intense thing. So object lesson: go to the chiropractor and tell him to snap your neck. Yeah. Not not like die yeah, snap right, your yeah, neck. Right. right. Yeah. But yeah. And then, then go to Deuteronomy and go, oh, I wonder what that looks So that's a great object lesson. Um, and we probably lost our as a chiropractor. They believe in witchcraft. Right. Like, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, so marrying female captives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Bible. I got you. Deuteronomy 21, 10 through um, 14. Yeah. When you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God gives you into your hand and you take them captive and you see among the captives a beautiful woman and you desire to take her to be your wife and you bring her home to your house you shall shave her head and pare her nails and she shall take off the clothes in which she was captured and shall remain in your house and lament her father and her mother a full month after that you may go to her and to be her husband and she shall be your wife um, but if you no longer delight in her, you shall let her go where she wants, but you shall not sell her for money, nor shall you treat her as a slave since you have humiliated her. So this is probably the one section of um, this chapter that probably has kind of the some, some deeper underlying stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Um, before I guess we go on, did you have any? So, so, so I got to thinking um, if this is the idea of this whole section is focused on um, on dealing with uh, situations of human distress or misconduct, um, and and what is it that is trying to address here? Um, I took that uh, the female prisoner. So I took the ideal of the situation is that there should not probably not be war. However, the reality of mm -hmm. there's always going to be war. So if this is true then you deal with the abuse and then the misconduct and the injustice. You deal with what could potentially happen. So ultimately, I figured the goal of this passage was to protect the victims. Who is it that, who are the victims or the people that are protecting the female captives and whose rights are restricted within this? Being the soldier. Um, I put, how did they do this? Well, the first thing that they addressed, I think it was in 11 and 13, was that they not be raped or enslaved as a concubine. But if they are taken as a wife, um, they are supposed to be given that full status of a wife. Um, 
The second thing, they're to be given time to adjust. So it's not like, hey, let's just go and have sex with her and now we're married. But there was to be a month where she was allowed to mourn her, the death of her family um, or the losing of her family and get adjusted to a new house before that act took place. So it wasn't, wasn't a rape, but, but she was legitimately treated as a person. Um, whose rights does it restrict? Um, uh, the soldiers. Grisanti is not nearly as nice as you're being, but go on. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. I'll let you. Then you have the bridegroom rights. Um, and so, you know, the, with bridegroom rights, you, you are allowed to go ahead and have sex with her. Um, but again, this kind of postpones that. Um, and then if you do get rid of her, then um, you can set her free, but she can't be a slave. So now I'm curious. All right. Go on to uh, what you got. So uh, I was reading through it and I was just kind of like, well, these are kind of, you know, <clears throat> Uh, when I read it before reading through the commentary, I was like, well, then, you know, I guess this seems nice. You know, she can uh, lament either her her father and mother because they're dead or because she'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you go back to what we talked about with warfare last time, uh, if it was Canaanite warfare, they were completely obliterated. So obviously, since this woman is being allowed to live, um, they were not Canaanites. So it's something else. So, and I believe the term was like when you go and fight the wars of people far off, mm-hmm. basically. So th- there's a chance that either her parents were put to the sword or they were never going to be seeing them again because right. it was a, a long travel. She was basically being carried back as a spoil of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grisanti points out, well, no, he doesn't point this out. I'm, I pointed this out um, in my own head. And so this is conjecture. I'm not the scholar who could make this, but it seems like there's an emphasis on her being a beautiful woman mm-hmm. and then stripping away everything from her that would make her quote unquote beautiful. So it's like trimming her, what is it? Bring her back, trim her uh, hair, her nails or shave her head and trim her nails. Um, basically remove the clothes from which she was captured in. Um, and then basically dress her as a Hebrew. So you're taking away all of the physical things that you might have been attracted to oh. and you're you're spending a month getting to know her as a person. Huh. Part of that now Grisanti does say part of that could be because you're taking the old culture away from her so maybe she had um, a hairstyle or nails that was contrary to what you would see in the Hebrew culture. Um, the clothes might have been, you, you know, culturally different or religiously significant and those were being taken away so on and so forth. But also, on the other hand, you're taking away that identity and you're changing it. So then afterwards comes all this like, so what happens after that month when you find out that like beauty's only skin deep? Like what happens after the fact? Um, after she's had a chance to mourn, she might hate you. Things might not go very well. Um, you're not supposed to consummate a marriage uh, over that month that she's mourning. So you're basically being commanded to wait. Um, but then at the end of the chapter... or not chapter, at the end of the section of 14, it says you cannot sell her for money, so she's not your property, like you said, which is good. Um, You cannot uh, treat her like a slave, so she's still not your property. But then it says um, you cannot do this since you have humiliated her. Grisanti says that the uh, verb here, and he's got some notation that I don't understand exactly, or I can't say what the Hebrew word is because I can't remember what the vowel sound is for Mm -hmm. it. Um, uh, it occurs several times in the Old Testament passages and most commonly in Genesis 34, uh, 2 Samuel, and Judges. Uh, a couple of chapters in Judges and a couple of chapters in Samuel refers actually to rape. 
Um, so saying that you humiliated her, saying that most likely it is understood that like the soldier here probably did something to actually physically uh, assault her okay. in some way. Because I was wondering, because it, it seems like, because he made it sound like that had to be, well, he wasn't, if he was doing what the Bible said or Deuteronomy, the law, he was not to do anything for that month. Mm-hmm. And then I was curious as you were talking, because it says after that, so after the, the full month of Lament, you, Lament, Lament. You, <laughs> that word, you may go into her and be her husband, which, you know, that's the, that's the sexual act that, that mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you, you would be allowed to do as a bridegroom, right? But then it says, but if you no longer delight in her, you shall let her go where she wants. So I didn't know if that was a go in, consummate the marriage, or I if you it, no longer saw that, or was it you did have, you did consummate the marriage and then you no longer wanted her, you let her go. I didn't know what, wait, which, which, which situation. are you pointing at? So I'm looking at 13 and 14. I'm reading, sorry, I know this is so and she shall take off the clothes in which she was yeah, captured. Yeah, after after that. So you're yeah, you're fine. The, the, you're just looking at the time. So after that, you may go. We might have to put a, a parental advisory on this one. Uh, after that, you may go into her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. But that's the important word there. Mm-hmm. But if you no longer delight in her, so I think that the idea is that you are supposed to not do something. But it's almost like the assumption is that you will. Right, like it, like you're going well, be, be, or or also just because you took her away and you captured her doesn't mean she's necessarily willingly wanting to be with you. Right, right. Well, and it says you humiliated her, mm-hmm. and so at first I took that as they, you know, they slept together uh, or consummated the marriage. Mm-hmm. But really, if they cut her hair and they trimmed her nails and took away the the culture that she came from, if they took that away from her, she would be humiliated in a sense. So, and I didn't think about that until you were talking a couple minutes ago about, well, they took away the culture, they took this away. And I was like, oh, well, wait a second. Maybe it's not necessarily, maybe it's talking about after that month, you have the choice of consummating the marriage or letting her go, and that humiliation would be that that shaving of the head, the the trimming of the nails, that that removal of her past culture within there. Let's see. Um, okay, so oops, I just ran into the microphone. The uh, uh, the verb can mean uh, it's like hitamer, hitamer. Uh, can mean to treat as merchandise. Um, however, the, ver- the verb is most likely used um, and intends to express an oppressive deed that has a devastating physical or psychological impact on the afflicted person. Is basically like the full-out translation that's given here. So repeat that again. Um, the, the verb most likely means intends to express an op- oppressive deed that has devastating physical and psychological impact on the afflicted person. Um, the latter is mistreated, forced to submit to the will of a stronger party, or redu- reduced to servant or servile existence. The whole person, or the whole entirety of the person, is degraded. And that is uh, taken from a guy named Bryn, Studies in Biblical Law from the Hebrew Bible to the Dead Sea Scrolls, is okay. where he 
points out like how those verbs are te- typically translated. Okay. Um, he says basically it demonstrates the non-humanitarian relationship that would be expressed in the sale of a captive woman. Okay. So there, there's, there's a lot in there. It's a, it's a very, that's why I said, this is probably the, the quote unquote deepest section you can try and, you know, look at. I think you're right though. I think, um, because there was a point where was it David's men ended up having their beards shaved and they were told to basically stay away for a month until their beards grew back. That's true. Yeah. Um, so there was a humiliation with your hair being cut, especially right. if you're a female and you're shaved. Cause then you would probably look like an Egyptian. Right. Um, so she's probably, you know, humiliated and then you're going to send her away on top of that. So you possibly killed her entire family and said, you know what? You're not my type. Mm-hmm. Um, or possibly you've done worse right. to her. So I don't, now, before you get like, well, see, that's why the Bible is a horrible book. That's why the Old Testament was a horrible time. That's why God is a mean God because he doesn't put provisions in for women and blah, blah, blah. But he just did. Yeah, this is not uh, This is not condoning what they did. And as a matter of fact, if you read through the laws and you know the Ten Commandments and things like that, nothing in here should ever happen. And basically what's going here is a contingency. If you do this, there's a proper way to not redeem yourself, but there's a proper way to act in this situation, um, despite the fact you've already basically failed, mm-hmm. is pretty much what it comes down to. It's almost like um, when Jesus talks about divorce later, which we don't even know if this is a divorce or not. Um, he says, because your hearts are so bad and you needed a law for divorce, Moses was giving you a law for divorce. God hates divorce, but here's the here's the you know reasons you can divorce. Uh, I, I don't want to say permissible, but here's the the only sanctioned reasons. And he makes it difficult thing. too. It's not like today where you're like, okay, blah blah, sign papers, divorced. Right. You know, it was <clears throat> if you did this. Um, it was, it was kind of a and big deal f- against both yeah. of them. So it's not like you would very lightly say, I'm going to go get divorced. It was something that would drastically impact both lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we actually get into that really soon. Come to yeah. Think of it. yeah, we'll talk um, about that later. Because basically he says, uh, Jesus says, if you get a divorce, <coughs> you are causing your spouse to commit adultery if they get remarried. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we can get more into that because we'll hit that in what um, chapter 24, and then we probably can get some New Testament there going on too. Yeah, Actually, some of these I bet we could probably do that as well. Yeah. But um, So I'm, I'm going to kind of... Unless you have, do you have more no, in this section? No, go on, I'm, I'm good. Right, so I'm going to kind of leave this section as it is. I'm going to say it's not <clears throat> condoning or encouraging this behavior. It's basically trying to say in such a horrible situation, here is the best outcome. Right. So what, did you want to move on to yeah, let's go on to the next inheritance? One. This one was interesting to me, the inheritance <clears throat> of the firstborn, but go on. Oh, yeah, because then, well, I get, yeah. No All spoilers. Right. No, wait. Um. Oh, yeah. Then we get into the rebellious son. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. Uh, chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. If a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him children, and if the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then on the day when he assigns his possessions as an inheritance to his sons, 
he may not treat the son of the loved as the firstborn of, in preference to the son of the unloved, who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the firstfruits of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. So, the Old Testament doesn't really address polygamy. It doesn't really condemn it. It's not till we get to the New Testament um, that we see polygamy really outright. You know, it, to be a deacon or an elder, you should be the husband of one mm-hmm. wife. And that, that's where you really get that. But um, from what I understand, and from uh, Grisanti, although the practice of polygamy was tolerated during the time, um, it was still regarded as a violation of God's intended order. So the, culturally, it is thought that even back then, polygamy was still kind of a, nah, and it was actually reserved for usually the wealthy that would be, quote unquote, a polygamist. Yeah, it wasn't very common from what I read. It was right. now not we, prohibited, right. um, well, but... It, but we read in the scripture, like, you have David and you have Abraham and you have, you know, like, Abraham has two wives and concubines. You have David who has five wives. Five? But if, we, but if we go back to Deuteronomy 17, God kind of lays down some issue. I mean, he says... Refresh my memory. Um, Deuteronomy 17. Sorry, I'm, I'm flipping in the Bible. Uh, 1717, when it's talking about kings and how kings should look different, Mm -hmm. it says, And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. So even though um, kings during that time period, even in, um, in Israel, ended up choosing multiple wives, that was actually not something they were really supposed to do. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Like I said, culturally, it was not supposedly not looked upon. There's, um, I think, in chapter twenty-five coming up when we talk more about marriage, there is some. Uh, I think there's some rules regarding polygamy, but monogamy is the preferred mm-hmm. method. Uh, it's the preferred order. So, with that being said, knowing that like polygamy is not in Dorsed, but knowing that it could happen, once again, there's some rules that go into play here um, with the assumption that you are probably going to like one wife more than the other. Right. Which is weird. Now, and well... Why would you marry the other one in the first place? I have no clue. Like, you know what? You're okay, mm-hmm. but your friend is better. Like, that's just weird to me. Yeah. It's kind of gross. I, I see. I, yeah, I don't a lot understand of gross. that. But, it, but apparently, though, this was common in, in ancient Near Eastern cultures. Right. Um, and actually, from what I read, um, it's actually, in some cultures, the, um, the father was allowed to choose... Um, who he wanted to give the inheritance to, um, so mm. it was kind of a protection over the the the, the sons, outside. right? To make sure that really almost a protection against the the father having. Well, I like this this wife better than this wife. It, it sets down a rule, so there's no argument within that household of if you're well, providentially born first, you right, Get it? That's yeah. the one that gets it. Where in in some cultures, the father got to choose. Well. This is my favorite wife, so this will be my firstborn son. This really takes out the whole entire mm-hmm. argument and the, the 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 opportunity of choice, and says, "Well, if this is your firstborn son, then this is the one who gets the inheritance." Um, and so, 
it, it seems to set up a set of protections um, within the household, within the community of God's people um, as to what should happen in there. And, and there's that protection against the, the wife or for the wife as well, if you happen to unfortunately be the unfavored one. And what's funny, I think there's a... I'm not going to spot off because I'm not sure, but I think, doesn't Joseph do something with his two sons? He tries to rearrange the order. Um, is that with Manasseh? Um, I shouldn't. I don't know. There this was wasn't, this wasn't prior to Deuteronomy, obviously, but I, I thought there was a point where he tried to like subvert or rearrange the order. But I could have the wrong person I, too. I don't know. I shouldn't have said anything. Now, okay. now everyone's like this idiot. This um, idiot on this podcast doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know. Oh, well. So I mean, the only <laughs> one that I can think of is what is it, Jacob and Esau? Yeah, talk about subverting the order. Right. Right. Yeah, but that was the Esau. Gave away, and they had the same mom. Yeah. Okay. So where, I guess where I'm more thinking is where you different see different story, right? Where you see some of the differences that um, Jacob and Leah mm. comes back to Jacob again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really like her. He likes his other wife. He likes Rebecca. Wait, Rebecca. Yes. Right. No. Right. Rachel. Rachel. Right. Rachel and Leah. Yeah. Rebecca was Isaac's mm-hmm. wife. Right. Yes. So Rachel. Right, right. They could have had different names, man. You know, R R. Sorry, Rachel. Um, Rachel Leah. Yeah, because that's funny. Because we know somebody with kids with those names. Um, anyway, uh, Rachel and Leah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, I don't know what to uh, say about that. In case they listen, we'll just say uh, beautiful <laughs> names. Um, Leah actually is in the lineage of Christ, but Jacob didn't like her. Mm-hmm. He preferred Rachel over her. And right. however, Leah is the one who's blessed with like a mountain of children. <laughs> And like Rachel's like, uh, take my concubine. We'll have some kids that way, like kind of thing, you know. So sorry. So then go. they wouldn't be their own, wouldn't be your own kids. I don't know. Anyway, well, so yeah, you, that shows you how slavery was right. like that, or how okay. servants were like that. Is basically nothing except for a means to an end. All right. Okay. So oh, think about um, Abraham. Same thing. Okay. Sarah was like, "Hey, uh, take my maidservant and." Like have a baby with her because I apparently can't have kids, See, and then I, we got Ishmael. I can't imagine Sarah ever going, "Hey, tell you what, why don't Sarah, you go Sarah, your wife, not Sarah. So, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Sarah, my <laughs> wife. I can't ever imagine her saying, "Hey, Scott, by the way, we can't have kids. Go have sex with another woman, and let's now, have a kid." Nowadays, we just do this thing called adoption. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of more of the normal. I think way. I like that better, and I think Sarah likes that better too. <laughs> <laughs> she just came on so my wife heard our conversation. <laughs> 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 We're talking, this is uh, this is Scott's wife Sarah. We just heard Scott. <laughs> so um, we're we're talking about um, uh, Abraham's <clears throat> wife, which she couldn't conceive, saying, "Hey, here's my handmaid. Like, go have a baby with her." And we end up with Ishmael. And he was, <laughs> he was, was like, saying, "I can't can imagine." <laughs> I can't imagine Sarah ever going, by the way, we can't have a kid go have sex with another woman. Yeah, I never said that. <laughs> right. <laughs> do, you want to say, do you want to say that to the mic so, <laughs> so that the people can hear? This is her, her thoughts on Scott. I would never say that. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> this, this podcast is marked as not safe for children. <laughs> All right. I got to put that, I got to remember to tag that before it comes out. <laughs> So, with that said, do you, you want to finish up the chapter? Because sure, I can't why not? Stop 
Um, well, we only got like five minutes of time left. Do we, so do we have time to finish? Okay. Yeah, hit that rebellious sun and we'll right. take it all the way to the end. We'll talk about people hanging on trees too. Uh, a single witness shall not. So this is a verse 15. A single woman. Uh, Try again. It's 18. Woman. Try 18. Wait, I'm not even in the right thing. Here, if a man um, has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father and the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of this, of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. Plot twist! Uh, so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree... His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God, and you shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. All right. Dude, I, that's a, that's the memory verse of the week for my kids. Is it? Uh, do, you Forget all this, man. They're doing all these easy John 3, 16. God, <laughs> no, your rebellious will stone you in front of the <laughs> They'll get the point. Now, now, from what I was reading, um, this is not just a, a small minor discipline issue. I mean, these were, were major, um, serious, delinquent issues within the household, and, and mm-hmm. one that what didn't necessarily just affect the household, but, but actually could potentially affect the entire community. Um, and although a lot of the discipline and a lot of the, the, the crimes and things like that could be addressed as a family, there were some things um, that a family would not be allowed to do, which is why they would bring them to the elders and um, allow them to begin to, to figure out what to do from there. So these are not minor things. Um, uh, and yeah, these aren't minor issues. Yeah, actually, uh, Grisanti goes as far as to say that... Um, <clears throat> Uh, some of the uh, uh, words that are used in this section um, were often used to describe a drunkard uh, who would like go around raising problems. Um, it would also be uh, somebody who was wasteful, uh, squandering the community's food uh, and drink. Uh, it could also be somebody who was uh, literally rebellious in the terms of that they could also be trying to overthrow a city or a government. So there's a lot of... It's, it's not like, oh, you bad kid, I told you not to do that. How many mm-hmm. times do I have to say, you know, it yeah. wasn't like and that. In, and part of the squandering also um, could be a threat to, to the family and their land and their, their, mm-hmm. what it is, their, their livelihood. Um, and so if they're already squandering their resources of the family um, bef- re- at this point, then what could they do with, with, the family, with the family resources? And when you're thinking land and that being the inheritance that God gave to them, um, they're, they're really messing with, with God's inheritance, but they're also messing with the livelihood of the family, which, again, was part of God's inheritance. So it was kind of a big deal that, that the sto- son would be stoned. Yeah, um, th- yeah th- once again, this wasn't like a, we put him in timeout one yeah. too many times. Well, we're not writing a parenting book and at the end stone your kid. Um, right. <laughs> that, that's, that's not the thing. So it's a little bit deeper than that. And just kind of a funny thing here, when I was looking through the commentary, I just saw the note again and I forgot. I, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Grisanti quotes himself. Oh, does he? <laughs> he, he references another book he Oh, did. okay. Uh, it was actually something like called like Juvenile something or other. Anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, nice. I'm not smart enough to like cite myself. I know, seriously. 
please see this book by Don and Scott. Like well, Scott Sulik says, yeah, <laughs> in his book. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so it, it was definitely a bigger deal. The idea of purging the evil from among you was basically to say, hey, this this person who is threatening <clears throat> the. Uh, I want to say like the sacred order of the city, the order that God had put in place and is not repenting in any way, shape or form needs to be removed. And the, the way to do it is X. Cool. It, it's yeah, it's a, it's still sad, but it's definitely not like is, you know? Yeah. So, um, do you have anything else on that? No. I hate it. We do have to, I think we, gotta, we have to hang people on a tree and bury them. In uh, the quickly. Same which yeah. is what they tell you to do here anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just do that afterward. When we're done, we'll pause. We'll no, um, yeah, the yeah. idea here is once again, um, the uh, the land is sacred. Um, it to leave somebody who is cursed. I was about to say hanging around. Mm. Uh, actually, would uh, uh, most likely be an insult to God. Mm-hmm. So, what do you got? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, yeah, I, there, think he, there, I think he actually <clears throat> cites right on this. There's one. a couple of things. Uh, the explicit reason for the ruling is sacral. Uh, they fenced to God in the desecration of the land, but it is not li- unlikely that um, part of the intent was to spare the victim's family um, and further degradation. Mm. Um, another one was, uh, and this was not right, this was. Um, the IVP Old Testament uh, commentary. Um, it may be the sense of desecrating the land is based on either the sight or the smell of an exposed and decaying body um, could potentially harm not just the land, but the health of the people that were part of that community. Mm. Um, so uh, the corpse was considered a defiling object um, and thus a danger to to the people um, that were around there. Um, another one that I read... <clears throat> um, I, I didn't necessarily know if I agreed with it, so I don't know if we've got time to really kind of get into that. Um, but they partially um, balanced this this idea of of it might not have been a hanging from a tree, but rather a tree or pole similar to that of the Assyrians. I, re- I read that as well. Um, and yeah. so it was it was, and I didn't fully grasp it, and that's why I, I was being very hesitant um, with what I say. But the the idea of using, from what I understand, I, I read similar. Um, the idea of using a human body as a uh, what a dissuasion as yeah. a way to dissuade somebody mm-hmm. um, was an insult to the image of God. Right. Um, therefore, it's a you, you know uh, what the Assyrians would do, or what some of the other uh, nations around there would do um, with that kind of warfare, which we've talked about before, right. was actually uh, also an insult to God because you're using, you're saying like, "Look what we have the power to do to you." Right. When it's really God who has the power to do it. See, that makes more sense so. now. When when I was reading it and and put, it, I was like, I don't know if, and not that I didn't agree with it, I just didn't, didn't fully grasp it. But I think you did a a good job of kind of clarifying that thought and idea. Yeah, and then, and then in the end, it was just a, uh, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. I say in the, in the end, it basically is just a, it, it's, you you know, it's the the crime was paid for, it's done. Hey, the music's starting. Okay. Um. So do you have anything else? I can no. push the music back. Uh, I think. Uh, do you? Nope. I I will have to change. <laughs> All right, guys. So until next time, uh, thanks for listening. And this one might be a little longer than normal. <laughs> I'll still push the music out if I need to because I already killed it. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, hanging on a tree, basically, it was the, the crime was already paid for. Okay. Um, there's no reason to continue to dwell on it right. as well. So there's a, there's a few reasons. But yeah, we man, we flew through a lot and we even had a special guest. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks All for right. uh, talking to you next time. Cool. Bye. Bye.